Good morning, church family. I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank God for bringing us together once again um, to fellowship together around um, singing, um, reading His Word. It is such a, a joy um, to, to be together in this way, even after a long time. Good to see uh, your faces this, this morning. Um, we have been going through the book of Mark for, obviously, for two weeks. We um, paused um, to look at um, topical sermons. Uh, we are back in the gospel according to Mark. Uh, we are in chapter 4 today, and we will look at chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. Chapter 4, verse 1 to 20 this morning. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. And our title for the sermon today is The Four Hearts. The Four Hearts. The Four Hearts. And we'll see that in the parable of the soils uh, from Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. Let us read from Mark. I, I read from the ESV. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in, in it on the sea. And the crowd was beside him on the, on the, uh, beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it waded away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. And for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, where they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away their word that is sown in them. And these are the, the, uh, these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. 
But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Indeed, Lord, it is your word. And you speak to us in your word. We pray that we will have ears to hear. We will have a heart that cherishes your word, a mind that understands it, and that we will receive it, O oh Lord. Give us the joy um, that is found in, in knowing you. As you speak to us this morning, we pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to understand your truth, to apply it in our lives, to walk in it. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Um, I read during the week on, on Twitter, um, someone posted, they say they, they took their friend to church, um, and so this friend comes from a different uh, Christian tradition, and uh, so they took him to, to, to church, and after church, he says to his friend, so how was the sermon? And the guy says, looks at his friend and says, his shirt was not tucked in. All the while, while the preacher was preaching, the only thing that he was concerned with was the fact that his shirt was not tucked in. He doesn't know where the, where the, where the preacher was preaching, the passage that was opened, what the preacher said in explaining the passage, what the preacher said in applying the passage. All that he was worried about was his shirt was not tucked in. There are so many things that can distract us from the word of God, aren't they? A thought that um, is causing you to be anxious, that can't get out of your mind, probably a problem at home, probably a problem at work. Uh, call that you're waiting for and you keep looking at your phone. Time. Oh, the preacher has been preaching so long and that's all that you can think about. And, and so these things distract us to a point that we can't even hear the word. We, we can't benefit from God's word. In this parable, uh, Jesus teaches us about four hearts in relation to the word of God. Uh, this passage finds Jesus still ministering in the city of Capernaum. A great crowd of people have gathered to hear him teach the word of God. And in this instance, the crowd is so large that Jesus gets into a boat and uses it as a pulpit to teach the people who have gathered on the seashore. I remember when I was in um, seminary and we were reading this passage and I was wondering why um, Jesus got into a boat when the crowd was so large. It was not just to make space, but it was also for the acoustics that everyone would hear him. Uh, this passage also showcases a change in the way Jesus teaches the people. This is the first time, obviously not really the, fir the first time in detail, that Jesus uses uh, parables to teach we saw the last time, it was in chapter 3, when he taught in a parable um, about, uh, in verse 23, and he called, and he, 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 he called to them 
and uh, to, to them to him. He called them to him and said to them in parables. So this was the first time, but, but this is now the first time he teaches in detail using parables. The word parable means to cast alongside of. Someone has defined a parable as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. A, 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 parable, um, a parable, in a parable, a truth is cast alongside life and life interprets the truth. In other words, a parable takes the common everyday events of life and uses them to illustrate the deep things of God. You, you need to, to use caution, obviously, when you try to interpret parables in the Bible. Some people make the mistake of trying to make every single twist in the parable mean something spiritual. As a result, many false doctrines and foolish teachings have sprung to life. A parable is designed, if you think about it, to teach one primary truth. Well, when, the tru- when that truth is understood, is understood, the parable itself becomes clear. Jesus often used parables in the Gospels. In fact, there are nearly 60 of them when you read the Gospels as a collective. Why did Jesus um, preach in parables? Well, the answer to that question we find in verses 11 to 12. He used parables to reveal truth to those who were open to, 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 to what God was saying and to conceal truth from those who had closed their minds to what God was saying. It wasn't that Jesus was intentionally trying to send people to hell. He was merely giving them what they wanted. They, they, they had um, heard the truth preached and they rejected it. Thus, uh, Jesus began to preach in a fashion that required people to think about what they were hearing. Does that make sense? The, 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 the preaching, he, he preached in such a way that in order to hear him, you had to think about it. To, to show that you are really engaged in it. And it was in such a simple way that one could not make an excuse that I was intellectually challenged and so I couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. He made it so clear using everyday imagery. Those who were sincere and hungry for the truth would have that truth revealed to them. Those who were close-minded to the truth would have that truth concealed from them. He was simply giving them what they desired. Today we're going to consider the parable of the soils. A lot of people I read during the week that, um, you know, a lot of people think of this parable as the parable of the sower. But you will notice that there's only one sower and there's only one seed, right? And there are different types of soils here. So the parable is not really about the sower, it's about the seed. The parable is told to the multitudes in public and explained to the disciples in private. And in explaining this parable, Jesus tells us what each element of the parable means. Everyone who heard this parable could immediately relate to what Jesus was saying. They all had seen a farmer walk into his field and begin to sow into that field. They all had seen the crop spring up and begin to grow. Jesus used this common scene to teach a deep spiritual truth. He tells us that the sower is one who sows the word of God. When he explains the parable, it might be the spirit of God, a preacher, a teacher, 
a friend who shares the gospel, a missionary, a gospel song, even a gospel tract, or one-on-one witness. The, the seed is the gospel itself. It's the word of God. It, it is the good news that, came, uh, that Jesus came into the world, died for sinners, rose again from the dead, and offers full and free salvation to everyone who will receive him into their heart and life. In this parable, some of the seed produce fruit and some does not. The problem you will notice is that it does not lie with the seed. Jesus tells the parable in such a way that it is the same seed in every soil. Right? Each seed is held the potential to produce fruit. The problem was not the seed. The problem was the soil. The soil in this parable represents the heart or, or, or the mind of the person who hears the gospel. Everyone who hears the gospel hears it in a different way. Some revile it, some reject it, and some receive it. In fact, let me say this. There's no one who is neutral when it comes to hearing the gospel. No one. It's either you hear it and receive it, or it's either you hear it and reject it. You cannot be neutral to the gospel. It doesn't work like that. I want to examine this parable today. I want to point out the kinds of um, um, hearts that hear the gospel and how each respond to it. As we move through these verses, I would like for you to examine yourself as well. You will encounter your own heart in these verses. Let's consider the, the, heart, the hearts that are revealed in this parable as we think about it together. The, first of all, we see the hard heart. The hard heart, we see it in verse 4 and uh, explained in verse 15. But let's read verse 4. Jesus says, And he saw, they're talking about the sower, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. This is the hard heart. And then listen to verse 15 as he explains it. He says, And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. What do they do? When they hear. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. The, 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 the path refers to the narrow footpath that ran beside and through the fields. These were the roads of the day, and the soil on, on, on them had become as hard as concrete from the feet of the travelers and animals that had walked upon them. When the seed fell on the footpath, it could not penetrate the soil, and it remained there in the open, only to be devoured by the fowls of the air. In Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, we are told that this uh, this speaks of the person who hears the gospel who doesn't understand it. That is, they, they, they cannot make the connection between the claims of the gospel and their own life. They, they cannot see how the gospel could possibly hold any value for them or their life. Maybe they are steeped in sin or refuse to believe. 
Maybe they are callous and cold towards the things of God and refuse to hear. Maybe they have hardened their hearts for years against the call of the gospel and like a path trampled underfoot for centuries, they have become hard-hearted. Whatever their need, they are hard-hearted and the seed of the gospel cannot penetrate the soil of their mind. They hear the gospel and dismiss it as foolishness. When, when the seed is sown, the devil and his minions immediately snatch away the gospel seed. The, 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 uh, Satan does this by distracting and diverting the mind. There are so many distractions today, aren't there? When you listen to the word of God, as I said in the beginning, that there are so many things that are running in your mind that you cannot even pay attention. You cannot even engage what you're listening to. There are so many things that are causing you anxiety and are worrying you and are making you uh, unable to benefit from the word. The word is being snatched away from you immediately. Sometimes we teach our kids to cultivate a hard heart where they, when they grow up, cannot hear the word. We, we, we think that distracting them with things in, 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 the, you know, in, the, in the midst of the service does them good, but sometimes we do them harm. I'm not saying everything like coloring a uh, Noah's uh, ark and uh, coloring the, the cross. Uh, you know, they, they're wrong. But sometimes we do these things to an extent of getting them to be apathetic towards the Word of God. But when we, 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 we teach them not to think about truth. When we get home, we never say, what did you learn at church today? What is it that stood out? It's obviously, uh, we're not expecting them to memorize everything that they heard. You, you as an adult cannot memorize everything that you hear, but what is it? What is it that you heard today? What is it that you did not understand? What is it that you appreciated? What is it that you did not agree with? We, we forego asking them questions that eventually plant seeds in their hearts. No wonder why after they leave our homes, they leave our faith as well. Because the word did not penetrate. Satan does this by distracting and diverting the mind. He causes them to forget what they heard by focusing their thoughts on earthly matters. Right? We think about a lot of things. We think about things sometimes that have no um, eternal effect on us. Lunch. You know, the, the, the game that is playing um, after church or probably playing during the church. You're wondering what the score is. This causes the person to become even more hardened against God. 
the, 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 the person has a heart that is not prepared for the work of grace leading to salvation. The seed, if you, if you notice here, was good. It was good. The problem was not the seed, but the soil was unprepared to receive. The seed could not penetrate the soil. The seed could not germinate. There could not be life. There could not be fruit. This is a picture of a lost mind. A hardened heart. Now let's look at secondly. Not only do we see the hardened heart, we see the confused heart. The confused heart, verses 5 and uh, verse 6, explained in verses uh, 16 to verse 17. Look at verse 5 and 6. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it scorched, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Look at verse 16 and 17 in explanation of this parable. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Verse 17, and when they, had, when they, and, and, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. The, the, the stony places, the, the rocky ground, are common in Palestine. Often the, there will be an outcropping of a limestone rock covered with a thin layer of topsoil. This soil looks like it is ready to be sown in. This ground looks good and productive and seed cast here will germinate and quickly spring up into a promising plant. But because there is no depth of soil, and as soon as the sun beats down on the tender plant, it withers and dies without producing any fruit. This kind of soil speaks of the mind or the heart that makes an emotional response to the representation of the gospel. This is seen in the words, receive with gladness, right? Immediately receiving it with joy. Perhaps this person heard the gospel and said, this is just what I need. I might as well give Jesus a try. Perhaps they came um, to what many call an altar and prayed because a friend did. Maybe they tried to use Jesus as a spare tire in a moment of crisis. They ran to him in their trouble and abandoned him when the trouble passed. Perhaps they were in an emotional service. They got caught up in the moment and made a profession. This once happened to me. This happens a lot in, in revivals and youth meetings. I was in a youth camp. I was uh, about 17 years old. And uh, there was this emotional uh, atmosphere, and I was crying, and, and my friends were going, uh, you know, um, to, to whatever, you know, uh, in the front. I don't want to say the altar, but going to the front um, and, and um, giving their lives to Jesus. And I was left behind, and, and, uh, but I was crying because one of my friends had given this uh, sad testimony and uh, because of the testimony that had nothing to do with the gospel by the way um, it was not a testimony of the gospel but a testimony that was uh, said and because of that testimony I went to the front and sang along and cried and cried some more and I was prayed for and they said you are saved and uh, the next coming week I showed that I'm not saved 
Perhaps they had a shallow presentation of the gospel that um, this, uh, sorry, they, they had a, a, a shallow presentation of the gospel that presents the, the benefits of salvation but does not share the costs. This person knows nothing about repentance, dying to self and turning away from the old life. They, they didn't hear that. Maybe they got into one of those services where the preacher has uh, people bow their heads and repeat after him and raise their hands where they were saved. Uh, do you know that it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's uh, one of the, 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 the evangelical tricks, right? You, you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, uh, um, you know, um, come to Jesus. I see that hand, my brother, when there's no hand. Uh, I see that hand, my sister. And, and because all eyes are closed and heads are bowed, and you are thinking, oh, there's a hand raised, now you raise your hand. And so this, this manipulation, evangelical manipulation that is going on, I see that hand, my sister. I see that hand, my, my brother. Oh, just give your life to Jesus. Uh, give your life to Jesus. Don't worry about it. Just come. All of these things and, and emotional and you, you just want to raise your hand and come to the front. Many millions have been inoculated against the gospel by some flimsy gospel presentation and by a profession of faith. Whatever happened, they made a profession, they were excited, they are active and they are accepted um, as the real deal. But because they have no depth to their profession, they fall away when the persecutions and tribulations associated with knowing Jesus arise. You see, when Jesus calls you, he calls you to come bear your cross and follow him. Jesus is not calling you to a path that is carpeted with roses, with rose petals. Jesus is calling you to a life where persecution will arise on account of the word. Where pain will arise. Where you will be grieved. Where you will face difficulty. It will come. This is not like some kumbaya where there's this atmosphere. It, it will be difficult. You might be hated because of your faith. You might be persecuted because of your faith. And just because you're a Christian does not mean that you won't be sick. It does not mean that you won't experience trouble in your family. They hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. But they endure for a while when persecution arises, when tribulation arises. Persecution and tribulation are there to test the genuineness of our faith. They begin to have problems with simple matters like church attendance, you start seeing that prayer, reading the Bible. They have a difficult time making a genuine lasting break with their sins. They shrink away from the radical claims of Christ and, and the cross. 
They, they become offended when they are mocked for their faith, ridiculed, laughed at, or persecuted because they profess faith in Christ. These are the people who make a profession often running well for a time and then wind up running right back in the world. In the end, they are further away from God than they were before they made their profession of faith. Were they really saved? Mostly, no. How do we know for sure? Because there is no fruit of salvation in their lives. A a fruit tree that does not bear fruit all its lifespan is as good as dead, isn't it? I mean, what do we expect from a banana tree? We expect bananas. By the way, when a profession of faith is real, it will last. We, we often call these um, types of people backsliders or carnal Christians. In my opinion, they have never been saved, most of them. If the Lord saves your soul, he will change your life. When you fall in sin, you, you won't be comfortable in that sin. You want to run out. You, you are not comfortable. You're, you're like David who, 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 who felt sickness in his bones. Who, who couldn't sleep at night because of his sin that he was concealing. He, he says, the heavy hand of the Lord was upon me. When God changes a life, he does it forever. He, what he does in you will last you may fall, yes. I'm not saying a, a Christian will, will, will walk perfectly, but you will not stay away from his house, his presence, his throne, his word, his people. You will not be able to stay away out of his will. Sin is the most destructive thing. Many, many Christians know that sin will make you pay more than you were willing to pay. It will take you further than you wanted to go, leave you longer than you wanted to stay. Many, many Christians have experienced the spikes of sin, how piercing it is, how deceptive it is. There are times when we sit down and look at our lives and we ask ourselves, how did I get here? I was working well with the Lord. When I look at my life, I was working well with the Lord. How did I get here? When you look back, if you're honest with yourself, you will see compromise upon compromise upon compromise. Let's look at the third heart. The divided heart. The divided heart. We see it in verse 7. And explained in verse 18 and 19. The divided heart. Look at verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. Look at verse 
18 and 19 in explaining this. And others are the ones among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. But the cares, listen to this, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. The divided heart. This soil looks like it is ready to be sown, but underneath the surface are the living roots and seeds of thorns and weeds. The soil has been tilled and the thorns have been cut down, but the roots are alive and well just under the surface. When the seed falls, it springs to life quickly and gives every indication that a good harvest will follow here. When the seed springs to life, so do the thorns and the weeds that were already there and they soon choke out the tender plant. The young tender plant withers and dies without producing any fruit at all. This is a picture of a person who tries to have the benefit of the gospel while still clinging to the old life of sin. They want them both. I want it all. Right? They want it all. Without a conscious break from the old life of sin, this person does not have a chance to be saved. That the seed of the gospel cannot survive to produce fruit in a heart filled with other things. The seed will have the ground, um, and, 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 or, or sin will have the ground, but it cannot be shared. Jesus said it was the curse of the world, that the quest for earthly riches and the lust for the things of this world that spell disaster for this kind of seed. The soil. This kind of person begins well, but soon fades away because they're having their profession choked by the sin of the world. I, I, I wonder, I always wonder when I read this passage, uh, how does one still continue believing the pro- prosperity gospel? How? How does one still continue Hearing messages from the likes of Benny Heen, the likes of Joel Austin, and they come in your mind and you say, these are right, well, you still read this. Jesus wouldn't have said this if all his will for you in this world was for you to get rich and have material possessions. He wouldn't have said this. The, 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 the problem with this seed is that it believed the prosperity gospel so much and when the prosperity gospel is not manifesting in your life but only in the preacher's life alone, it starts to choke out that faith, right? It starts to choke it out. If the prosperity gospel was true, we will all come with private just to, to church. It would just be one man. All of us would have our own, uh, uh, you know, uh, parking for private jets. I don't know what you call those <laughs> parking. <laughs> but if the prosperity gospel was true, we would all be well off. The seed, you ask, were they really saved? No. How do we know? 
there's no fruit of salvation again in their lives. When Jesus comes into a life, he causes the redeemed person to make a clean, clear break with the old life of sin. And I will say it again, we like to look at people who had made a profession of faith and who back out in, 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 uh, uh, who, who are back out in sin and they say they are backslidden and out of God's will or they are carnal Christians. By the way, there's no idea of a carnal Christians in the, in, in the, in the New Testament. More likely, they have just never been saved to begin with. Um, there was uh, a, a contemporary of Billy Graham who was also, I forgot his name, um, who was also an evangelist for about 23 years. And 23 years later, he um, you know, rejected the faith. And he was on CNN with uh, another uh, apologist, someone who is a defender of the faith. And, and they were there, and, and the, the, the news anchor was saying, uh, how about this individual? And this guy was so proud that even though he was 23 years, he could reject the faith and show it for, 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 for being false for what it is. And, and, and uh, the apologist was asked that question, what do you think about this? And he says, I wonder how... You could do it longer than Judas. Judas, at least it took him three years. How, how did you even manage to do it longer than him? You know, um, and today I think there's, if you even go on the internet, there's so many people rejecting the faith, aren't they? There are so, so many people saying, no, I'm no longer a Christian. They were not Christians to begin with. Isn't that what John says? First John chapter 2 verse 19. They went out of us because they were never of us. Preachers of further generation, the lie of easy believism and a fail to tell lost people that a holy God demands repentance along with faith before a lost soul can be saved. If you have made a profession and there has not been a change in your life, then you need to repent. You need to repent and call on Christ for salvation. Let's see the last one. Before I go here, um, so uh, on Monday, my wife and I are driving and I say to my wife, you know, Sunday's passage is, is uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 1 to 20. Um, about the soils and I start to explain it she says <clears throat> you know when I read that passage every time I, 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 I shudder I become a bit scared and I never thought about that and I said to her um, what do you mean you, you get scared and she says to me have you actually thought of yourself as the fourth soil and that's when I was like okay because I see myself oftentimes Sometimes the cares of the world seems to distract me. Sometimes I get distracted even in reading the word. I, it, I ask myself, what was I reading? But by the grace of God, I want to see myself on the fourth heart, the fourth soil. By the grace of God, I want to see myself here. The receptive heart, verse 8. The receptive heart. Look at verse 8. And other seeds fell on into good soil and 
produce grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30, 60, and 100 fold. Verse 20, he explains it. He says, and about those who were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. 30, and 60, and 100 fold. Do you see the difference here? Do you see the difference? All the soils hear the word. But this one, listen to what? Hear the word, accept it, bear fruit. Some seed fell on the good ground. This was good was ground that has been worked and prepared. It has been plowed and tilled and it was ready to receive the seed when it came. The, the seed germinated within the heart of the soil and the plant began to grow. When the plant reached maturity, it began to produce fruit. But that brought, um, that brought honor and gain to the farmer. This is a picture of the heart that has been plowed deeply by the word of God and tilled by the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. It is a picture of a heart that has been worked over and prepared by the grace of God. When the seed of the gospel enters into this kind of heart, it germinates, it grows up, it bears fruit for the glory of God. This heart alone pictures the kind of life that can truly call itself saved. Why do I say that? This is only the, the only picture that bears fruit, that produces fruit. The only difference between these types of fruit, um, the, the, this type of soil, was fruit, isn't it? It was fruit. On the hard soil, the seed never penetrated the hard ground and, and, and was carried away. On the other three, the seed penetrated and disappeared. But only uh, that, that which fell on the good ground produced fruit. The, the only obstacle to salvation, brothers and sisters, is unbelief. But anyone who is willing to accept Christ on his terms is good soil. You see, when you come to Christ, you don't tell Christ, yes, I receive you, but terms and conditions apply. The terms and condition in this transaction are not set by you. They are set by Christ himself. The soil represents the only soil among the four that pictures a saved heart. You see, when Jesus enters a life through the gospel message, he will make his presence known beyond all doubt. He will cause the new believer to begin to bear fruit for the glory of God. If you notice in verse 20, some of the seed produced more fruit than others. You see, they are not producing equal fruit, but they are producing fruit. The amount of fruit in your life is also God's work of grace and as he uses you for his glory. But every child of God produces fruit in his or her life. If a person lacks spiritual fruit, that person is not simply saved. It's, it's, it's not saved. If I go to a tree right now and it has five fruits and I go to another tree that has ten fruits, uh, those two trees are showing signs of life. Right? They're showing signs of life. That's a sign of life. So what kind of fruit does good soil produce? You ask yourself. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 tells us it's good works. Romans chapter 6 verse 22 and Philippians chapter 1 11 tells us it's holiness and righteousness. Galatians chapter 5 
verse uh, 22 and 23 tells us it's genuine spirituality, right? That those fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, um, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, and self-control, those are, are, are produced in your life. Romans 1 verse 13, it produces a burden for souls. Hebrews 13 verse 15, it produces praise and thanksgiving to God. Romans chapter 15 verse 27 to 28, sharing material goods, being generous with what we have, being compassionate to the needy. When you look at verse 10, Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The Lord is challenging you to look at your heart today, examine your profession of faith, and be sure you are called to Jesus to save you because you were convicted of your sins and because he was calling you to come to him. That is the only way you can be saved. Examine your, your life today and see whether or not your life is producing spiritual fruit for the glory of God. If you are not saved, you need to come to Jesus today and settle that matter forever. If you look, at, if you look back at your life and, say, and you look at your present life and say, what happened to me? God is still faithful. He's calling you back to the way. He will not leave you. He will not cast you aside. He's calling you. Commit yourself again. Commit yourself to him again. Amen. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father and Lord, we thank you for your word. We find ourselves oftentimes distracted by the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, by sin that tries to entangle us and undermine our faith, undermine our profession, undermine the gospel work in our lives. We pray that your grace will help us, O oh Lord, to bear fruit that honors you, brings glory to you, fruit that that really um, is honoring in your sight. May we produce that kind of fruit, Lord, that honors you, the kind of fruit that pleases you. Help us, O oh Lord, to walk in a way that you have set before us. In Jesus' precious name, amen.